We all know, I think we've all heard, that you never see a, you, uh, a hearse pulling a U-Haul. Uh, you know, whatever stuff you have on earth, you leave behind, right? But if you take a look at Revelation 14, 13, uh, it says this phrase. It ends with this, their deeds follow them, right? Your stuff doesn't follow you, but your deeds follow you. That, that's really interesting to think about. Uh, you don't go to the cemetery with a trailer, but you do take with you the things that are going to heaven. So the question we start with is, how big is your spiritual U-Haul? Right? Do you have one of those little pony trailers? I mean, not, not a horse trailer for us. I mean, one of those little short ones, you know, about that long, that tall, and everything you have fits in it. Remember I said last week we went from South Carolina to Colorado with all our worldly possessions in our Pinto? <laughs> is, is that all you need? Or are you going to have to, I mean, I, I want a semi, you know? I want, I want a big semi with the big trailer. It's like, it's like, how big, what are you taking to furnish your mansion in the sky, right? What, what you're going to be sitting in there on lawn furniture? A little pup tent. I mean, uh, you know, I've got I've got a little uh, cot that folds out. And is that what you're going to have, or are you going to have more? Today's passage looks at the rewards, both good and bad, uh, that come to those through that sec- who go through that second three and a half years of the tribulation. And it's a message for us to remember, uh, think about the rewards that we earn here. And, and so I want to start with with this. Is this is after the three and a half years? We 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 saw in. Uh, we, we have had, for the last three chapters, continual reminders about, the, about that three and a half years. In chapter 11, verse 2, uh, I'll, I'll just, I'll just uh, summarize these. In 11, verse 2, we, we heard that the Gentiles will trample the temple courts for 42 months. In 11, 3, we found that the two witnesses will prophesy for 1,260 days. In 12, 6, the woman was cared for in the wilderness for 1,260 days. In 12, 14, the woman was protected from the dragon for a time, times, and half a time. In 13.5, the beast was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. And so from chapters 11, 12, and 13, all through them, we had these continual reminders of the three and a half years. But I'll, I'll give you a little insight into something. You don't see that anymore. It's done. The three and a half years are over. Now, when I say that, and we start looking at chapter 14, we have this, this you could call it a hiatus or a pause, whatever. It's not a time pause. It's just a perspective to stop and look and what has been accomplished and what are we looking at. So, so the three and a half years are done. Uh, and, and the events highlighted by that time, that those three and a half years, have been mentioned before. Uh, but, but the thing is, is three and a half years, as long as it is, it only lasts three and a half years. And it must come to an end. So, and I say it only three and a half years, for, for those who go through it, it's going to be a really, really long three and a half years. But it will be something you could check off days on your calendar, if you, if you had your calendar handy, uh, and, and you could check off the days in that 1,260 days later, that three and a half years, the 42 months, you, you check it off and, and, and it is done. And chapter 14 gives us an, a summary of what has been accomplished as well as a warning about what is about to happen. Okay, And so we are looking at the first half of that, the fruit of the thir- three and a half years in verses 1 through 13. So as we do this, let me read uh, just the first five verses, and we read about this group, this 144,000 people. 
Then I looked, and behold, on Mount Zion stood the Lamb, and with him 144,000, who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of a loud thunder. The voice I heard was like the sound of harpists playing on their harps. And they were singing a new song before the throne, and before the four elders, or before the four living creatures, and before the elders. No one could learn that song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. It is these who have not defiled themselves with women, for they are virgins. It is these who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. These have been redeemed from mankind as firstfruits for the God, or for God and the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no lie, for they are blameless. So we have this 144,000 described. And we read about, about them back in chapter 7, right? So this is our second and it's the last time we talk about this, this 144,000. Uh, these are those who have been redeemed from mankind. Okay, they've been re- redeemed from mankind, which is really important to catch right off the bat because it means they're not among mankind anymore. They have been redeemed from mankind. So these 144,000 people are all with Christ, meaning they're dead, right? They have died over the course of this three and a half years. And you go, wait a minute. Wait, in chapter 7, didn't we read that these guys were, were marked? You know, and, and if you go back to chapter 7... Uh, we, we, we read this. Um, yeah, it's, it's only a few pages, but it was several months. <laughs> Funny how that works. Uh, it said, uh, verse uh, 3, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servant of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of the sealed, 144,000 from every tribe of the sons of Israel. You go, well, what did the mark mean if it didn't protect them? What was the point of marking them if it doesn't somehow protect them? Why why bother to get marked if you're going to die anyway? Right? Every one, 144,000 of the 144,000 died over this three and a half years. You go, I don't understand why bother to mark them. Weren't they marked in a special way? And the answer was, yes, they were marked in a special way. And now, at the end of three and a half years, every one of them is receiving a reward. Every one of them is blessed. We're reminded again that our, our reward is not here. And, and our goal is not to uh, uh, last here longer necessarily. Our reward is to be pleasing to God and earn the rewards there uh, based on what we do here. And, and so we have them described. You know, Basically, in, in shorthand, they've kept themselves sexually pure. They've kept their mouths clean. And they are blameless. And they are singing a new song that only they can sing. You and I cannot sing this song, which is not fair. Right? It's like, that's not right. You hear a good song, you want to sing it. It's nice to sing a good song. You, and you hear a new one, you, every now and then you hear a new song, and, and, and it, it just goes by and you don't think about it at all. And other songs you hear, and you start, that's a good song. I guarantee this is going to be a good song. This is going to be a good song. This is going to be a song that I, I, I'm going to whine. I'm going to God! <laughs> no, I probably won't. But... but uh, they're doing this, and they're singing a new song that only God can sing. And then we have the harp thing, right? Uh, and, and they were singing a new song before the throne, before the elders. Uh, let's see, I, I, I want to go, where was the harp thing? Uh, verse 2. Uh, and I heard a voice from heaven like the roar of many waters, the sound of loud thunder. The voice I heard was like the sound of harpists playing on the harps. You go, the harp thing, is that real? I, I, I remember years and years ago, I had a, a middle schooler, although back then they were called junior hires. <laughs> I said, what are we going to do in heaven? And, and I, I said, well, it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be this. And she said, but what are we going to do in heaven? And she kept insisting. I said, okay, here's what's going to happen. For the first 10,000 years, we're going to have harp lessons. 
And she's like, oh! It's like, it's like no, not, not that. You know, some of you might be saying, oh, that sounds wonderful. And others are going, can I skip that part? Well, okay, here's what it says. It only says a voice sounded like harps. It doesn't say we actually play harps. So I think if you, if for you playing a harp is heavenly, then you may get to play a harp. But the rest of us don't have to. Okay, so, so the, there you go. It only says they had voices like harps. It means they were pretty. But only these guys can sing this song, and they follow the Lamb wherever He goes. And this is the honor He gives them and the honor they give Him. And it is the special place that has been allotted to these people, this 144,000. And this is one of the rewards of this time. These are these, among the martyrs of the tribulation period, and there are going to be many more than 144,000, by the way, during this second half of the tribulation. But among the martyrs are these 144,000 who go out with whatever assignment it is they've been given. Sometimes they're called witnesses. Sometimes they're called evangelists. It doesn't actually tell us what he's, uh, he's marking them to do, just that he marks them and they are set aside in a special way and every one of them in doing whatever it is he sends them to do for him are going to pay the ultimate price you can pay on this earth right and they are going to get an ultimate reward for it that they follow the lamb and he treats them uh, with special honor and they are get to treat him with special honor that's that's verses one through five verses six through seven we have this eternal gospel that's going to go forward it says uh then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. And he said with a loud voice, Hear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. And he said, it says an eternal gospel. You go, wait a minute, what happened to the eternal gospel? Right? Isn't there just one gospel? One gospel is the message of Jesus Christ. Didn't Galatians say, if anyone comes to you with another gospel, let him be accursed? And yet we don't hear anything about Jesus Christ. He says an eternal gospel, and he says, fear him. And you go, that doesn't sound like the gospel. It's not contradictory to the gospel we, we, that saves us, but you go, it doesn't sound like the same one. What is it? Well, the, the, the word gospel means good news or good message. Right? And so there is an eternal message of fear God, and it does not change, uh, and it is always a good thing. I, I, looked, I saw another angel flying overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim. He said with a loud voice, fear God and give him glory. And then he says, because the hour of judgment has come, but it's fear God and give him glory. And this does not change. It's not going to be different. It's, it, he didn't say believe in Jesus, but it's a good message. And, and the message is interesting in the light of what is going on here. Because what is going on here is, when, I'm t when I say in light, I mean of when this is going on. When is this going on? Well, this is going on at, at just before the seven bowls of wrath. And the seven bowls of wrath, you know, when we looked at the seven seals that the, the, the series of seven started out with, the seven seals and a third of the earth was destroyed. And then we moved on to the seven trumpets, and with, I mean, a quarter with, the, with that. And with the seven trumpets, another third of the earth is destroyed. And as I did, showed you the math, the quarter and then a third comes out to a half of the earth destroyed by now. But the seven bowls is going to be ultimate. 
It's going to be worldwide. It's going to be complete. And there will be no, no end to that. So in light of that, he says, Fear God, for His judgment has come. Worship Him who made heaven and the earth and the sea and the springs of water. And what we look, if we let's skip just ahead a little bit, we're going to find that the heaven is going to be unmade and the earth is going to be unmade and the seas are going to be unmade and the springs of water are going to be unmade. Not unmade as in evaporated, but they're going to be destroyed. He's going to make them worthless. He's going to make them useless. He made them. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Right? God is about to unleash these things. It brings to mind those words of Job. It was in Job 2.21 when Job had lost his sheep and his his, his uh, oxen and his camels and his uh, servants and his crops and everything and his family and that's what he said he stood on an ash heap scraping his sores and said blessed the lord gave it giveth the lord taketh away blessed be the name of the lord and, and what's he saying praise god anyway it's an eternal gospel it doesn't change because things go bad in this world so 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 after the three and a half years is not this message too late is it not too late for this message uh, to be given to fear God? What's the point of saying it at this point? Is anything going to change because of this message? Can people still change their mind? Uh, we're, we're essentially uh, got about a week left of this tribulation period, this seven-year tribulation. The, the seven bowls of wrath are going to take a tiny little bit of time. Uh, when we look at this, it, it is mostly gone. And, and, and what's the point of declaring such a message? And I think of, again, uh, you know, we're all over the Bible with Revelation. Philippians chapter 2 Verses 9 and 10. And, and you may not need to turn there to, to, to do this. Uh, he was given a name above every name. The, the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow on heaven and on earth. And, and uh, every tongue proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Right? Well, when it says, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue proclaim. It doesn't say the knee of every saved person or the knee of every saint. It doesn't say the tongue of the holy. It says every knee, every tongue shall bow. And everyone will bow and proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. But for some it will not mean worship. For some it will not mean praise. It will, to them it will be a statement that they are forced to concede. But it will not be something that they joyfully proclaim. We unless you are not part of we, we will be joyfully proclaiming that. But everyone will do it. And fear God and give Him glory because the hour of His judgment has come is going to mean, means everybody's going to do it. Everybody's going to do it. Nobody is going to have a chance, a choice. Uh, there, is going to be, there are going to be no options about it. It, it, it may not be too late. Uh, you know, remember those Israelites wandering around in the wilderness? Remember they, they were protected for 1,260 days? Remember, they were protected for a time, times, and half a time. And do you remember Zechariah? Right? Uh, if you flip back to, to Matthew and turn back two pages, you'll find yourself in Zechariah. And go back about another page or two, and you'll find yourself in Zechariah chapter 12. And we looked at this, we, we looked at this a few weeks ago, and we talked about how God is going to pour out His Spirit on the house of David. And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy, so that when they look on me, him whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only child, and weep bitterly over him as one weeps over a firstborn. On that day, the mourning in Jerusalem will be as great as the mourning in Hadad-Rimmon, 
in the plains of Megiddo. The land shall mourn each family by itself, the family of the house of David by itself, their wives by themselves, the family of the house of Nathan by itself. It goes through these different houses. Uh, and verse 13, chapter 13, verse 1, adds this. On that day there shall be a fountain opened for the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and uncleanliness. And so I believe the way this works is very simply, Jesus, when he returns at the end of the tribulation, is going to come down, and as he sets foot on earth, the, 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 the Jews, these Jews who have been protected in the wilderness for three and a half years, are going to look on him whom they have pierced, and they are going to be crushed with the knowledge of their guilt. They are going to be crushed with the knowledge of what they have done. But even as they are crushed with the knowledge of their guilt and, and, and need, they are going to turn to him as their savior. And these people will respond in faith to him. And, I, and so it may not be too late. Uh, may be for most people, I don't know. But if it's not too late for them, could it possibly not be too late for others? Could it, would it be possible that maybe Gentiles could turn to Christ at this same time? This same same time period. I don't know. We're, we're going to actually talk about that again, just a few more verses when we get into the mark of the beast. But that's the second thing. So first we have we have this thing about the he's, he's looking at the end of this three and a half years. What is going on? First we have the hundred and forty four thousand are recognized. They are with Christ. Right. The time, meaning among other things, the time of martyrdom and suffering is over. I, I think I'm not saying everybody has died that's going to die. But, but this, this period is over. And then we have, have the eternal gospel is proclaimed. And next we have verse 8. Fallen is Babylon the great. I have to get back in Revelation 14. I was looking at Zechariah 14 and it wasn't working. Uh, Revelation uh, 14, verse 8. Another angel, a second, followed, saying, Fallen Fallen is Babylon the great, she who made all the nations drink the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. And, and you can go, I'm not sure what that means. We haven't run across this yet. And it's kind of interesting how Revelation sometimes works, because we are going to hear a lot about Babylon the great in chapter 18. <laughs> uh, but we don't have it yet. But it's the same Babylon the great. He's going to tell us what this is. Uh, Babylon the great is defined in chapter 17, verses 1 through 6 as the prostitute. Then one of the seven angels also who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great prostitute who is seated on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality, and with the wine of whose sexual immorality the dwellers on earth have become drunk. And he carried me away into the spirit, to, into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was full of blasphemous names, and it had seven horns and ten, 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 seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and Scarlet and adorned with gold and jewels, holding in her hand a golden cup full of the abominations and the impurity of her sexual immorality. And on her forehead was written a name of mystery, Babylon the Great, mother of prostitutes and of earth's abominations. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and of the martyrs of Jesus. And so we have this Babylon the Great described, and you can go, well, I'm not sure you've explained anything. Well, again, we, we've, we've been looking at the beast. We know that the beast is the Antichrist, uh, and, and the, the horns represent the kings and the authority that, that make up his, his rule. Okay, so you know, first, first we, we decode, then we, we interpret. <laughs> or first we translate, and then we interpret. And I don't want to go back through all the work of decoding that again, uh, even though if you've been here, we've done it. So if you weren't just... I hate to say this, 
I always say, never trust anybody who says, trust me. <laughs> but I'm going to say, trust me. <laughs> we, we, because we have done this as a, as a group. Uh, but God sees idolatry as prostitution. He, he repeats that picture through the Old Testament. Uh, that, that those who in, are involved in idolatry, he sees that as prostitution, as unfaithfulness. God is, is, the, see, is the husband in the relationship, and his people are the wife in the relationship. And when those who are supposed to be his people are following after other gods, other rules, other whatever than him, he sees that, what we, we call it idolatry, he calls it adultery. Right, he, And so who is the great prostitute? Basically, uh, the, some people try to pin it down and say, well, that's the Catholic Church, or that's this, or that's the other thing. I think it is simply false religion. All false religion, I think, makes up this prostitute. It leads people away from the one true God. Uh, and, and, and so it would be religion. And at that point, I think it's going to be the one great religion. Uh, but but he, he sees that and he says, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. The people who are supposed to be his have been off following other gods. They've been off chasing other gods. And that is done. At this point, that is done. It's not happening anymore. doesn't mean people will be good. But it will not happen anymore. If you want to know, this is kind of interesting if, you, if you're familiar with this. History of Israel, right? Israel was, was in about 500 B.C., was taken into, or 600 B.C., was taken into captivity in Babylon. God was punishing them, according to Jeremiah, for their idolatry, and, and the, the, this time was to cleanse them, and they weren't to do that anymore. And in spite of all the things Jesus said about the Pharisees and the, and the Sadducees and the false worship of God, not one of the things he said about them was idolatry. <laughs> because that was done. They, had, they were full of idol worship before that, and he cleansed them of that sin. Well, that's going to be done here. The world will be done with false religions. doesn't mean people won't be deceived later and follow the devil, but they'll know who they're following. They're not going to be deceived into thinking, well, I think this one might be God, or I think that one might be God, or maybe the God of those people. There, there's, there's going to be one clear choice, God or, or the devil, right? And, and nobody will be deceived. That is done. The, 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 it, it, what's he say? The fourth angel, I'm sorry, I'm looking at, my page keeps turning. <laughs> uh, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She who made all the nations drunk with the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. The fallen is idolatry. Idolatry is done. It will be no more. It is finished. No one will be able to follow the pretense anymore. No one will think the Antichrist is the Messiah. Oh, well, I really thought, thought he was the Messiah. Not anymore. That will be wiped away. No one will be confused about which God is, is God. It, it doesn't mean they choose him, but I think it means they know. So fallen is Babylon the great. 9 to 11, still summing up what, hap- what this three and a half years has accomplished, is dealing with those that took the mark of the beast. Right? And, and this, is, this is the second half. We looked at the mark of the beast again uh, a couple weeks ago. Now we're looking at the second half of what happens there. And another angel, a third, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and its image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he also will drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength into the cup of his anger. And he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels, in the presence of the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. And they have no rest day or night, these worshipers of the beast and its image, and whoever receives the mark of its name. And it sounds really strong, no hope for those who take the mark of the beast. And is this a form of the unpardonable sin? Well, it must be. I mean, I don't, I don't find an escape clause in there. 
I don't find unless they really didn't mean it or unless they had noble purposes. It certainly reads like there is, is no hope. And so the, you come up with ob- objections when you talk, well, what if my family is starving? What if I have to do this to feed my children? What if I have to do this to protect them? Never be so deceived that you think your life is more important than your eternal life or that their life is more important than their eternal life. Eternal life is more important. Those who take the mark of the beast will deny God, and they will deny it in a way that everybody... And I say, why, how do I know they deny it? Because he says, who, who worship the beast and take his mark. You remember a few weeks ago I was hearing about the libelists, the certificate that they had from ancient Rome where people would make sacrifices, and because they had their certificate saying that they had made sacrifices to the foreign gods they were able to buy and sell? Right? Uh, they had to take, they, had, they, they didn't just get the, the certificate. They didn't just pay money and get the certificate. They had to actually go through before witnesses do an act of worship to the idol. And, and the certificate stated that. And the people who signed it at the bottom wasn't the person who got the certificate, they were the people who witnessed him doing the sacrifice. And, and that's the example. And here he says those who worship the beast and take his mark, uh, and, and, and worshiping the beast will be involved in taking... Nobody can accidentally take the mark of the beast. The, nobody's going to knock you out, and while you're unconscious, uh, they're going to put a chip in your, your hand, and you've got the mark of the beast. It cannot happen. You cannot unwillingly do it. You have to go through at least a pretense of, sac- of, offer, of worshiping the beast to get the mark. And do not ever think you can ever worship the beast in any form, because we're not there, obviously. That's, you can say, well, that doesn't apply to me. Okay, not directly. But we can compromise. We can sell out any day. right? And we can use false words. We can say what we think will get us by. We can deny Christ any time. Do not ever think you will be better for doing that. The only way you could be better for doing that is if God is not real. But if God is real, then it doesn't matter all the reasons you can put together to say, I need to do this. They don't matter because God is real and he is in control. It is better. Okay, Uh, those who take the mark of the beast will deny him. He says they worship the beast. They they receive his mark. Don't don't even think those things. If you're ever confronted with having to refuse the mark, I should say if you're never confronted with having to choose whether to take the mark or not, the principle is still true. That's what faith is is trusting God when you can't see how it will work out. That's what faith is. Faith is, is being convinced of what the, you have not seen. Definition out of Hebrews chapter 11. Okay, so, so that's the next thing we see is this mark of the beast. And then 12 to 13, we get the blessings on the faithful. Right? Uh, here is a call for the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Lord, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. And it says in verse 12, this is a call for endurance. Well, we had that. Didn't, I mean, if, you, if that sounds familiar, it's because we did. This is chapter 13, or yeah, 14, verse 12. But if we go back to chapter 13, verse 10, it also says, Here is a call for the endurance in the faith of the saints, right? That's the end of chapter 13, verse 10. He says, here's a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. Uh, Here in 14, verse 13, he says, here's a call for the endurance of the saints. You go, why is he repeating it? Did he run out of things to say? Right? Is is the application here exactly the same as the application there? And and, and it kind of looks like it, but I'll tell you what, it's not. You know what's different about it? Is that one is before the woman goes into labor. (laughs) 
and this one is after. <laughs> and, 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 and you go, okay, what, what does that make? Well, it goes like this. The first one says, lady, you're going to go into labor. It's a good thing Michelle isn't here today, by the way. Uh, of course, this isn't her first baby either. <laughs> I'm not telling her anything. <laughs> uh, you're going to go into labor, and it's going to hurt, and you're just going to have to endure it. You're going to have to endure and get through it. But 13.12 says, see this baby? Wasn't it worth it? And she says, yeah. Uh, not to embarrass my wife, but I will. We didn't know we were having twins, Right? Josh was born, and the nurse said, Doctor, I think there's another. <laughs> she actually said, or maybe two. Fortunately, there was only one. <laughs> and, and, and not to embarrass my wife, but I'm going to. She was doing the typical unreasonable thing of not being happy with me. <laughs> While Josh was coming. <laughs> and, 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 and she was... Like, it was my fault. <laughs> but I'll tell you what. When, that, when Josh was born, ah, the baby's there. And the nurse said, there's another. Joan started pushing. <laughs> she didn't wait. They didn't have to say, oh, this is going to be hard. You're going to have to push again. She excitedly, happily, <laughs> she wanted this other child too. She didn't have to be told. She didn't have to, you know, it's worth it. That, what, it's a call for endurance. It's, it's like, first, it's like, this is going to be tough. You have to, you're going to have to endure this. And the second is, this is the reward you have for enduring it. This is a call for endurance beforehand. This is a call for endurance afterhand. They both work. And they're, they're, it's looking at the other side of the thing. And it's saying, the baby was worth the pain you endured. And most of you women will agree with that. <laughs> Some of you might look at your child, especially when they're teenagers, you know. <laughs> this is what I did that for? As a, you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure, but, but, you know, they get beyond that, too. And, and after they're teenagers, you know what they start doing? They start giving you grandbabies. <laughs> that's, that's really good. Uh, verse 13. Verse 13 gives us this, this statement that may, may be a little bit difficult. I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this. Blessed are the dead, or blessed are the dead, who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. And you can go, I don't, I'm not sure I understand. Blessed are those who die from now on, as opposed to blessed to the, those who die sooner, right? So I die before the tribulation happens. I'm not as blessed as they are. That's not fair. I don't, I don't get it. What, what, what is it saying? And, and it, can be, it can be very confusing. But I want to tell you something. The death of a saint is a precious thing. Uh, I can't remember the psalm that says it, but it says, Precious in the eyes of the Lord is the coming home of his uh, anointed ones. God sees it as precious. It is precious. But these believers have gone through so much. Right? He's talking about from now on, meaning that they... In order to be a believer at that time, do you realize what they've had to go through? And he says their deeds will follow them. In other words, there's not a one of them going to be pulling in with a little tiny trailer. Right? Because their deeds follow them. Uh, Our stuff doesn't follow us. But our deeds follow. Follow us. It's going to follow them in. They will receive great rewards. They will, they will receive rest from their labors. Uh, the word for labor is, is uh, kopos. We get the word cope from it, from the things they had to cope with. 
It means toil, labor, wearisome effort. And usually when you find in Scripture, it's connected with, with lamenting, with lamentation, with wailing. They have gone through a lot. When it says their labors, it's not saying necessarily that they worked so much, but that they had to put up with so much. They had to endure so much. And so their rewards will be great in heaven, and their deeds will follow them. So we have two sides of this. We have, we have the side of, the, at the end of this three and a half years, he's pointing it out. He's saying, okay, guys, it's judgment time. There's the punishment of the wicked, and there's the reward of the righteous. And there, there's not some kind of in-between option going on there. What, what is yours? What are you taking? Are, are you pulling a semi, or do you have, have the little trailer? What you invest in for this life stays in this life, right? What you invest in for eternity goes into eternity. It's just another reminder that we find here, and it's in the middle of Revelation of all places, to invest well with your life. Okay? We're not there, but there's application for here. Invest well with your life. Let it be meaningful for all of eternity. Father, I thank you for your word, and I praise you for blessing us. And, and I just ask that, that every one of us will walk faithfully with you. Father, I ask, I ask for great rewards following us up there. I ask for the kind of faithfulness among each one of us here that will bring rewards there, that will honor you and bring glory to you, that we will honor you and as you honor us. And we, Lord, you deserve it so much more. Let us be your people, I pray in Jesus' name.